Today's workplace podcast disclaimer, JT Wilson. This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's Workplace Podcast. Welcome to Today's Workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. And we used to, to follow up on that. Uh, we used to talk a lot about and focus a lot on, okay, how engaged are our employees, employee engagement. But today, because of what you just said, you know, employee expectations and everything, the focus is now on employee experience. Yeah. And so how, how do you see that playing out in your organization and other organizations? How do, how do we do employee experience? Here's the thing. I really do think it, this sounds really simplistic, but it is key. You have to ask your employees what they want to need in their environment, right? I mean, I've done this multiple times in a couple of different roles. And in each instance, employees told the organization something that the organization didn't know. It's like, we need more of X, or we want to be more involved in Y, or this organization never asked us to assist with X, Y, or Z. It is really hearing what the employees need to feel fully engaged in the, in the, in the ecosystem of your company, and then putting processes in place to make that happen. It is asking employees very structured questions about their needs, and then putting a plan in place around that. And for every organization, that's going to be different. There's no yeah. kind of one size fits all. Some companies do things better than others as it relates to culture and experience. So it is going to be a unique thing. But I think, again, going back to kind of companies that were set in their ways, you know, did things the way they did it, no questions mm -hmm. asked. Mm -hmm. They have to ask questions to gauge how they can improve the employee experience. It, it's just as simple as that. You know, it's really um, interesting to see how employer attitudes are needing to change because when the three of us started practicing, we know that the um, sentiment was employees do as I say, and yes. you really don't have any input in it. You just do as I say, or else you can, you can yeah. leave. And it's so interesting to see this shift to wanting to know what do the employees mm -hmm. want doing surveys, that being an important aspect of how the employer actually structures their business. So just right. a real shift. I think that successful employers 
have to make if they're going to retain talent for sure. Yeah. Just a funny, funny side story. You, you guys know this. My husband works in, in the court system and, you know, he took me to the train this morning and he was watching all the folks walking up to the platform. He goes, Hey, Michelle, he goes, do people not wear suits to work anymore? Cause when he's in the courtroom, everybody shows up to court in a suit. Right. He goes, these people are like in slacks and they're in like t-shirts and jeans. I said, honey, we don't dress up like that anymore unless we're going to court. You know, right. like, nobody dress. He goes, really? I goes, yeah. He, he, I said, you see that guy there? That's business casual. Like that's the way people are going to work now. I said, they may show up in your courtroom in a suit and tie, but, or a dress or, you know, a formal skirt suit or whatever. But when we go to work in our offices every day, it's a much more casual feel. He goes, and I see a lot of sneakers. I said, yeah, you can dress up sneakers too these days. So it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole new thing. It- it really is. And, and you all are in the Northeast. You, the more you come out West, it gets even more casual. Yeah. I'm in the tech and gaming industry. Yeah. And they even, they even tell you in your interviews, they're like, jeans and t-shirts are very much a way of dress. You know, we want you to be comfortable, but feel free. You know? <laughs> and that it is like jeans, t-shirts, backpack, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's really wild. It's completely transformed. And it's actually funny, our dress for success, when I first started here and I visited several of our affiliates, they talked to me about the fact that, you know, in, in their back wardrobe room, they had all of these, you know, blue, gray, black suits. And, and then they had to push those in the back and bring the slacks, the blouses, the more casual clothes up front, because that's yep. what women are asking for and needing mm-hmm. for work on a day-to-day basis. It's really interesting. Yeah, no, really interesting. You know, one of the topics we're hearing more and more about in the workplace is employee wellness and mental health. And why do you think that's a much more visible topic and priority in today's workplace? Oh, wow. This is a whole nother podcast. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about the last three years. I mean, we have experienced more trauma across this nation and around the world than I think we have probably in our lifetime. And the statistics have shown and proven out that people are more anxious and depressed than ever before. Suicide rates are up as they have not been, at least in my lifetime. And it's really, really clear that the issues of the day and the socio-political environment we're living in has put people on great edge and people bring that stuff to work. So because we spend the majority of our time at work and because, you know, our benefits and, and, you know, the care that we get is often through our workplace benefits, it is critically important that corporations, organizations, you know, whether it be public, private sector, really make sure that they are offering some sort of mental health and well-being programming benefits, et cetera, for their employees. It's absolutely critical. And I also think it's really important that employers create a space where it's safe to talk about. You know, it's safe to have, like, for example, have a wellness room, you know, have meditation breaks, you know, host a monthly yoga class or whatever it may be. It really is important to acknowledge that we know everybody's working hard. We know everybody is stressed. We know everybody is anxious and worried for a myriad of reasons. And for that reason, employees, we're going to do X, Y, and Z for you. I think, again, it bodes goodwill and it ties right back to helping satisfy that hierarchy of basic needs for our employees. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. And also you see the mental health and wellness emphasis kick in a lot more also when things happen externally that may be, that might not be directly impacting your business, but it's impacting your employees. And a lot more employers are reaching out to employees saying, hey, we know this thing happened. Look at Ukraine, look at attack on the Capitol, look at the Roe v. Wade decision. You know, those things were impacting employees and employers were reaching out saying, your mental health is very important to us during this time. If you need to take some time, please do so. You know, you have a number of employers really responding in that way. And that's really making uh, the workplace to me uh, way more humanistic than it used to be. Exactly. And and I think that that's that's part of the recipe, you know, for a successful business moving forward. I think it is. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because now, you know, when I wake up in the morning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking to see, okay, is there any big headline story that in any way might impact my people today that I need to speak to? Um, And I'm always even watching geographically, you know, what's happening in certain cities where I have employees working because I may need to on any given morning touch in and make sure everyone's okay. So it's a lens that in my entire career, I've never had to really think about before. You know, and even as an employment attorney advising corporate clients on how to navigate these things, this was never something that, you know, we had to talk to them about. And now it is an everyday thing that I'm watching for and monitoring because silence suggests that you don't care silence suggests acquiescence in whatever it is that has happened. So organizations have to talk about it with their employees um, and offer, like you said, resources, time off, whatever it may be to help people navigate. Exactly. One of the other things you talked about also, which is very important in today's workplace and very important to our, the, the present generations of workers in the workplace is that connection to community. And we know that, that that your organization relies on a tremendous amount of community support and volunteerism from all sectors. And so I'd be curious to know your thoughts about philanthropy and volunteerism and how it should play a place in today's workplace. No, definitely. I mean, I think it is, it is a great collective way for organizations and employees to give back. And again, now I have a very, very newfound respect um, for, you know, those who run and lead and work in nonprofit organizations. I mean, again, having come from 20 plus years in big corporate and now being here a nonprofit, I had no idea. Small lean teams operating with very small budgets, getting major things done for people in need. I totally, totally did not appreciate that. So I think it really is important. And thank goodness, I know that, you know, most Fortune 500 companies, you know, have corporate social responsibility teams and departments. They engage in employee volunteerism. Thank goodness they do, because without the support of the volunteers, I just don't know if, you know, many of these these nonprofits would be able to be sustainable. But more than that, too, for the employees themselves in corporations who do volunteer, not only do you get kind of that goodwill ambassadorship feeling fulfilled, but you also get to develop new skill sets. 
You get to maybe try something new. You get to engage culturally with a community or with a project that you might not have ever, ever engaged in before. So I think there's a lot of growth um, in volunteerism opportunities for employees. And I know from from where I sit now that a lot of the corporations we partner with really, it's a win-win for both of us, right? We need their support, but they also want to give their employees a place where they can come show up share their skills, mentor, give back and grow and develop. So it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And it fits in very nicely to helping drive culture, drive engagement, and then give back, you know, from a big picture lens. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. It's so exciting to hear about you and your new role. And as we close out and you think about your role as a CEO, what are some of the values that you believe you bring to your position that will make you successful in creating a great workplace? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So a couple of things come to mind right off the top. I think Again, given the nature of this business that I'm in, I think my caring personality is definitely what drew me to this work. It draws me to the women we serve. I am strategic and I always hold, you know, being strategic as a core fundamental principle to driving a business. I mean, this is a business, so we need to be strategic and being collaborative is super, super, super critical. Again, 144 affiliates in 23 countries with multiple stakeholder groups, if we are not collaborating with each other in a very thoughtful, organized and strategic way, we cannot be successful. So, and I think being a good listener and being agile, you know, for all the reasons we've already discussed are critically important to my success and to the success of anybody, you know, who leads a team in a C-suite at any organization. I think those would be some of the key skill sets and values that you need to kind of espouse to be successful. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. It's always such a pleasure to talk with you, Michelle, not only to catch up on all these years we all have between (laughs) us, but also to, you know, just hear about your fascinating career journey, the organizations that you've had a chance to impact and everything. Congratulations on all your successes. I love the Dress for Success organization. It's one of my favorite and we wish you nothing but the best, but thanks for sharing so many nuggets on our workplace podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You've been listening to today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. For more information about today's episode, check out todaysworkplace.com. That's T-O-D-A-Y-S-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E dot com.